0: Take your Bibles, please. And turn to the book of James, once again. James chapter 1. By the way, in the not too distant future the morgan family is going to be heading back lord willing to florida the lord spared their house there and rejoice in the work that was that the lord did in sparing it and what was damaged has been taken care of right away there's a lot that's been going on i watched a video yesterday of people in oregon really not too far from where our son lives, and they were discovering houses that were destroyed or houses that were saved. There's been a lot going on. God's trying to speak to this country. He's trying to speak to us. I want to remind you of something. As we open the Bible this morning... Sometimes we can get fixated on the individual behind the pulpit, and we will reflect on the words that are spoken by how we might think about the person behind the pulpit. I want you to understand something. God wrote the Bible. This is his love letter to mankind. And there is a message he has for us This morning, I want to preach this morning on God's perfecting work. Three verses, if we could, and we've already gone over these some. There is so much more that we're going to hear this morning. Three verses in James chapter 1, starting with verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, what? What? Patience. Patience. But let. Right. Now, God's trying to teach us something, and we will resist. James tells us by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, listen, let patience have her perfect work. Why? That she may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. But I don't like this. Lord, I don't like the work you're trying to do in my life. We might not like what it's doing at the moment. But God has a plan behind it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open your word to us this morning. I thank you for these folks. I love them. I miss them when they're gone. I miss them through the week. This is your body at this local church. There are those that are watching online, those that might be listening later on. I love them as well. And I pray, Lord, that we would let patience have her perfecting work in us, because that's what's needed in this day. You're seeking to do that work. You are raising your children a higher level of a walk by faith. So, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would yield ourselves to you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your care. We're so glad that through Peter you said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So that even while we're in a situation that is hard, it might even be harsh. We can take that situation and we can cast it on you. You're working with us. You're working in us. And we rejoice that you work through us as well. We don't know what the future holds, but we are glad that the God that loves us so has gone before us. And I pray that as you prepare us for days ahead, whatever they might be, that it will be a time where, as I read in Ezekiel over and over again, they shall know that I am the Lord. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Why does God allow trials? Why does God allow situations like the one that we have been uh, dealing with or we've been in touch with when it comes to that beautiful 18-year-old young lady that had to fly off the mission field all the way back here, she is in incredible pain at times. And quite honestly, the doctors haven't completely come to realize what's going on, and I don't know if they ever might. Why does God allow that? Why did God, I mean, you can come up with some things yourself. Why did my brother die at birth? Why did my sister die Just a few years ago, she was five and a half years younger than me, four and a half years younger than me. Why are there situations that we, again, that you have shared with me before that I won't talk about from the pulpit? Why? Why does God allow trials? The answer is, I don't know. And you don't either. But we do know this. God is in control. And he is doing something in perfecting his work in each and every one of us. And he will show, as the Lord spoke through Ezekiel, not only to his children, but also to the enemies, that he indeed is the Lord. Let's look at a few things that God does with those things when we wind up going through trials. And we don't get tunnel vision, But we take the time to just sit back and settle. It's okay, Lord, help me to grasp a little bit more of this. Help me to see this. Help me to see you in this. First of all, write this down. They make us look to him. Trials make us look to the Lord. Psalm 25, the ladies mentioned The book of Psalms. I love the Psalms. How many of you love the Psalms? Oh, mercy. Psalm 25, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Some of you are singing already that song that, you know, I, I read this and next thing you know, I'm just there, I'm, you know, and then I'm trying to put music to words and I don't know how in the world I'm going to make it rhyme, but it just doesn't. But, you know, you keep at it. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. That's the heart of David crying out to his God. They make us look to him. Number two, they make us examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said in verse 31, For if we would judge ourselves, if we would sit ourselves down, talk to ourselves, berate ourselves, get ourselves to think, he said, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. God is trying to do today to the people in the church the same thing he was seeking to do to the children of Israel back in the Old Testament. He was trying to get them to realize, listen, there's a reason I told you not to go after their gods, not to make yourselves gods of stone or of wood, not to pray to the queen of heaven, not to sacrifice your children to Moloch. That is not what you're supposed to do. I have created you. I led you. I guided you. And yes, I love you. That's what he's trying to get us to do. Proverbs 28:13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Ask David. Doesn't work. Ask the children of Israel who wound up coming back to God time and again when they thought they could sin and get away with it. And we've done the same thing as well. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You see, self-examination must take place in the Word of God. That's why I've said before, and I've sought it in my life, you just don't read the Bible. You let the Bible read you as you go through. You ask yourself, how have I treated the Lord of my life? Was I in contact with Him? Did I esteem his words as the psalmist did? Did I stop and think on these things? Have I obeyed his commands? Have I knowingly disobeyed? I tell you, there's times, and and, and you know, guys, your wife takes off. By the way, Roger, we really have to do this. Fellas, listen. Listen. When the ladies take off next week for this, we're going to gather together Friday night, we're going to have a prayer time, and then we're headed down to the gun range. (laughs) And now you guys are going to be thinking about that the whole time, the rest of the time when we get into the Word. Please don't do that. But you know, we get by ourselves, and we think, all right, I can watch anything I want on television or on the computer? No, you can't. The fear of God will keep you from that. And if you wind up finding yourself indulging in things that you ought not, you don't have the fear of God, and be sure your sin will find you out. Have I sought God's will or mine? That's going to be important in these days. How do I respond to the enemies? How do I respond to people? I was reading yesterday a police officer's testimony. He says, what do you do when you're standing there and these rioters are standing in front of you and they hold a picture up in front of you of your family? And they talk about what they're going to do to your family while you're on duty. Whose will are you going to obey when things get hard? I understand that to a degree. I haven't gone through anything like that. But we've all been tested and tempted and stopped to think, Lord, what happens if things get more difficult? And they will. Am I going to seek God's will or mine? How have I treated others in my life? How have I treated my spouse, my children, my brethren, you, my neighbor? See, that's what we do. Let a man examine himself. But not only that, they bring us to conquering that flesh. When we stop and we do this, the greater your blessings from the Lord, the more Satan will tempt you and me to look at those blessings and say this, aren't I smart? Look what I have done. That's what the flesh wants to do. When that happens, we have this wicked, horrible sin that comes along. It's called pride. We need to remember this, and we need to remember it in a big way. There is something that pride does. No, there are some things that pride does to us. And we need to be mindful of its wicked, wicked work contention in our life reveals pride. Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Destruction is the consequence of pride. Proverbs 16.18, pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. You see, when we go to the Lord and we seek Him to speak to us and to look at us, and when we come, as James tells us, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, you wind up surrendering a whole lot of pride. Shame is God's means of humbling us. Proverbs 11, 2, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. You stop and you bring yourself down before God, and he helps you recognize, wait a minute, this is not a path I'm to be going down. Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Those are good words for us, and they were inspired by God, and we ought to listen to them. But not only that, they speak, these times, these trials, they speak to our weakness and his strength. Like we've gone so many times, the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 12, when he was going through his difficulty, Paul wrote, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure." And God was in charge of that. It was God that he went to. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient. I understand the pain. I understand the challenge. But my grace is sufficient. There's coming a time when we're not going to need things like this. Amen? There's coming a time when, like Roger was talking about, the body is perfected. But until then, my grace is sufficient. Until Jesus reigns with a rod of iron, in a time when there are people that hate our God, that are running for office, His grace is sufficient. And even if the counties in California don't understand the necessity of gathering. We will continue, and God's grace is sufficient. He knoweth the way that we take. We Americans have been spoiled. Flush toilets, air conditioning, indoor plumbing, and fast food. We've got it all. Lights that turn on and turn off. Cars that start. And they have air conditioning. How many of you older people, how many of you remember in the commercials for a vehicle, it said, and this car has radio heater and white wall tires? Exactly. Exactly. We're spoiled. Now, Mike, our car tells me when a car is in front of me and slows the car down. And I want a tailgate. I learned it from Carrie Granby. Look at verse three once again. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The word know there is the Greek word, gnosko. It means to learn by experience. Knowing this from experience, it carries the idea a full understanding of something that is beyond the factual and comes from personal experience. It's not just looking at a scenario and thinking, okay, I I see that. It's looking at that and going, I've been through that before. In fact, I've been through it several times. And God is using it to perfect me because he has a work he wants to do in my life. I don't like it. There are times I think, you know, it just, you know, I I wish I would have done something different. Right now, I'm wishing that when I was working on jet aircraft in the Air Force and I was operating the backhoe and the tractor when I was in construction, that I would have listened to people, so to speak, and worn the earplugs a little bit more, in fact, a whole lot more. And so now I stand before you, and my ears are ringing off the hook. But God's grace is sufficient, and some of you are going through the same thing. Something like this is not new. Something like that speaks with some people to a great deal of pain, quite possibly, or something that is inconvenient. I look at our brother Sean here, and I think of the time, Sean, that you and I have gone back and forth in texting. You've gone through some real pain, haven't you? It's not a thing, it's not a thing to slight Sean, to look at him. I love that man. And say, listen, brother, God's grace is sufficient. Yeah, but the pain, I understand that. And he does too. So see, that's what the word no. There can be somebody that's having difficulty in walking, and Sean goes, I know. I know that by experience. uh, Jerry Lynn, this young lady, same thing. Same thing. God's grace is sufficient. You know, there's several things. When it comes to knowing by experience, When we go through the Scripture, we realize our God is trying to show us there is so much that helps us in the walk because there are certain things that the Bible tells us that we know if we would stop and we would consider. We know. For instance, we know our sin. People might enjoy reminding us of our sin, and we don't like that. But the fact of the matter is... We know our sin. Isaiah 59:12, for our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. We know them. And Satan can do what he can to remind us of them, but we ought to praise God that they're under the blood. Say amen. We know about our salvation. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. We know that name. It's a wonderful name. And as the song goes, that wonderful name is Jesus. We know about our salvation. We know about our Savior. Like Job said in the middle of his difficulty. For I know my Redeemer liveth. Job 29, verse 15. When the great scientist Sir Michael Faraday was dying, some journalists questioned him. Here's a scientist. So they asked him about his speculations for life after death and his reply was this, as quoted by one of those journalists. Speculations I know nothing about speculations. I'm resting on certainties. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and because he lives, I shall live also. We know our situations work for us. Paul told us, Romans 8, 28, and we know, folks, listen, Paul is speaking as one of us. Not as one of those people that sits way off on a mountain somewhere and we look and we think, wow, I wonder if I'll ever make it there. He says, this is what we know now. Because of what Christ has done for us and the testimony of the word of God, he says, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, we know these things by experience They have grown and are growing and will grow in our knowledge. Our gnosko. We know our supplications will be answered. 1 John 5.15 And if we know that He hear us, like the ladies, one of the ladies said, you know, prayer is a gift aren't you glad God wants to hear from us? you know that's a wonderful thing to think about it's a gift there are some people they don't want to they, they don't want to hear from you and you'd really like to talk to them I had a wonderful time yesterday the pastor that my wife and I had when when we were uh, that when we were married is a great guy Pastor John Mincy. And uh, this last week, you know, I'm looking at everything that's going on, and I thought, boy, I sure would like to talk to him. I mean, I was in my, I, I my uh, mid-20s when joined his church there in Walnut Creek, starting Walnut Creek Baptist Church, which became Heritage Baptist. And he called me yesterday. I, I got a hold of him this last week, and he wound up calling me. It was so great to talk to him. There are some people it's just a joy to listen to because of their testimony for the Lord. Other people, they're those they don't want to give you the time of day. I'm so glad God desires our company. In fact, when you stop and think, what Christ said, that where I am, there ye may be also. Some people, they're fun to have over at your house, right? And then they go away, and that's good too. What is it that, you know, friends and fish stink after three days? Well, no, staying there. I'm not reflecting on what you just told me about Ed. I'm not I'm not going to say anything about that to anybody. (laughs) No, but you stop and consider because what he is doing in us, the Lord says, come. Come. We know the Spirit of God is praying for us. In Ephesians, excuse me, in Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Sometimes when we're praying, the tang gets tangled. We're not sure what we're going to be saying. And it's like, Lord, help. Great. That was the best prayer that you did. Help! I'm not trying to tell God what to do in this situation. I'm just letting Him know, I need His help. Hey, guess what? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We know about the soon return of the Lord. We know the Spirit is present with us. We know that our salvation is certain and secure. Like Paul said to Timothy, I know whom I have believed. And by the way, we can say that too. Amen? We can say that. Listen, when he said, I know whom I have believed, he didn't say, I know in whom I have believed. There's a big difference in knowing about Christ and knowing him. We know that our salvation is secure. We know and we rejoice in this. We have, we can have God's will for our life. That's why Paul told us in Romans, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now look back at verse 3 in James chapter 1. So, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The word trying comes from the Greek word, which means to test something for the purpose of approving it. This word was used to describe the testing of sterling coins to see if they were genuine, unalloyed, in other words, they were pure, and of the proper weight. Nobody had shaved anything off of there. The aim of our testing is to purge us of impurities in our lives so that we will be established in genuine faith. And that takes place in trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You know, when it comes to impatience, there's only one thing it accelerates. Our foolishness. I know better than God, therefore I'm just going to go ahead and punch it through. We're going to be getting to it sometime down the road. Patience is the word for James chapter 5. 20% of the verses in that chapter deal with it. But the fact of the matter is, patience is the theme of James. What's interesting to note, that Romans and Revelation speak much about patience as well. The word patience comes from the Greek word, which means not only to remain, but also to endure in the remaining, to bear things in your life, but also take the remaining, the enduring and the bearing and turn it into rejoicing and great glory for God, for the greatness of our God. The word describes a man who will not Be swayed from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith in Christ and piety, that fearing God, by even the greatest trials and sufferings. And therefore, you could have the three Hebrew children that said, Listen, we're not going to bow. It doesn't matter. You can throw us into the fiery furnace. Our God, if he desires, can save us. But if not, know this, O king... We're not going to bow. We're not doing it. Now, we look at those situations, and once again, we think, you know, they're way up there. What's way up there is the God that worked in them, and he can work in us as well. In the flesh, I do not blame anyone if we are in the flesh looking forward and going, what's going on? Will things ever get back to normal? The fact of the matter is, probably no. Probably no. Because God has moved. But while God is moving on the world stage, He's working in us on a most intimate, personal level. Isn't that great? He's there with us. He's there with us. The word means, this this word means patience, patience. Fortitude, endurance, steadfastness. It's the Spirit that overcomes and conquers the trials and tribulations of life. Listen, one more. The verb form of patience means, quote, to remain under the trial in a God-honoring way in order to learn the lessons they are sent to teach rather than getting out from under them to relieve the pressure. There are people that are fleeing this state right now. I got to get out of here. If God so moved in my life, I would move. But only if God so moved. Folks, if God has called us to California... He has promised to be with us in California. The Morgans are not leaving because they're fleeing California. God has a work for them in Florida. God has a work for each of us wherever we are. It grieves me when I hear of a pastor that desires to go to another state because he believes he can build a bigger church there. That's foolishness. Let God build you in the place that he has planted you, and see what God can do. You know, you ought to read the book of Fox's Book of Martyrs sometime. Those people did not die crying out to God, why? So many of them died singing to the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. Now listen, when our trial is complete, patience no longer has a purpose. Endurance, on the other hand, is an inner quality of strength that is permanent, and that's what he is seeking to put in us. James said we are to rejoice Not because the trials come, but because of the benefits that God has for us. Look at verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Look at those two words, perfect and entire, The word perfect there means mature. It's often translated finished. It's coupled with the word entire to give the idea of a complete or perfected all over development. May be perfect and entire, whole in every part. Lacking nothing. Trials, you see, can be faced because infused with faith, perseverance results. If perseverance goes full term, it will develop a mature, a thoroughly mature Christian who lacks nothing, and he will indeed be all God wants him to be. Are we in line for that? But this is what we need to recognize. Perseverance, perseverance must finish its work. That means that while you are here and the difficulties are bad and the taxes go up and people do what they do in high office, we endure, we remain under, we submit. The purposes of God often develop slowly. We can't do anything about that. The New England preacher, Philip Brooks, I love this, was noted for his poise and his manner, but one time he was suffering from some frustration. A friend came. He was going back and forth. He was just walking. He couldn't be still in his office. And the friend said, Mr. Brooks, what's the problem? And he says, I'll tell you what the problem is. I'm in a hurry. And God isn't. How many of you have ever been there? Some of the greatest missionaries of history who devoted their lives to giving the gospel had to wait long periods of time. William Carey labored seven years before the first a Hindu convert was brought to Christ in Burma. Adoniram Judson, one of my favorites, toiled seven years before his preaching started getting rewarded. In Western Africa, when the Christians came, it was 14 years before one convert came. In New Zealand, nine years. In Tahiti, 16 years before the people started yielding to the gospel. I love this saying of all people, Leonardo da Vinci. Listen to this. Patience serves as a protection against wrongs, as clothes do against cold. For if you put on more clothes as the cold increases, it will have no power to hurt you. So in like manner, you must grow in patience, when you meet with great wrongs, and they will then be powerless to vex your mind, growing in patience. God builds our character. But in so doing, He needs something that we need to give Him this morning. We can read about patience, We can read about enduring, and God wants to do all of that. But there is something we must give him, and that is a surrendered will. If you ever read in 1 John, you read about people going from little children to young men, and then to fathers. That's what John was talking about. He was talking about growing up while you grow older, growing up in Christ. There's a passage that we go to quite quite often. And by the way, I am almost done. There's a passage that we go to quite often when it comes to giving the gospel. In Ephesians 2, we start with verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift... It is, the, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, that's the work that God has done for us. But secondly, there is the work that God has done in us. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship. That's what He is doing in us. So that He can do work through us. Again, verse 10. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. For years, William Wilberforce pushed Britain's parliament to abolish slavery. Discouraged, he was about to give up. His elderly friend, John Wesley heard of it, and from his deathbed, called for pen and paper. With trembling hand, Wesley wrote this, Quote, Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary in well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till every American slavery shall vanish away before it. Wesley died six days later. Wilberforce fought for 45 more years. And in 1833... Three days before his own death, slavery was abolished in Britain. That's why we don't quit. We keep on keeping on. If God be for us, who can be against us? Even the greatest of our people get discouraged. I get discouraged. You talked about, you know, Jerry Babcock talking about The days of the depression. I remember the days of my depression. They were in the late 90s. (laughs) And God delivered there as well. I want to show you something, and then we're closed. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Jeremiah. I just read the book of Jeremiah. Earlier last week. Go to chapter 48. Jeremiah chapter 48. Look at verse 11. The word, the verse reads this. Moab, which was a a nation southeast of Israel. Jeremiah wrote this about Moab. Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. This is what God was saying through Jeremiah. Good wine had to be repeatedly emptied from vessel to vessel in order for it to become sweet and drinkable. In that process, the leaves or the dregs would remain in the bottom of each vessel until, after several pourings and settlings the wine was pure. It was clear. Jeremiah's point was this. Moab's undisturbed, untested life Had left its people unpurified. Now, let me ask you do you want an easy life or a purified life? Do you want to just be able to sit back and watch life as a parade go by? Or do you want to learn what the Word of God truly means? when he said, through Job, he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as what? Gold. Gold. I don't like testing. I don't like trials. But he knoweth the way that we take. And I don't know the future, but I'm so glad That the God of heaven has already been there. Amen. Let's stand for prayer.